Hey, Trey K here. Summer is winding down, and that means students are starting to make their way back to the classroom. The highly contagious Delta variant of COVID-19 looms, and positive caseloads and hospitalizations are up. And that may play a role in the decisions states and local school districts make about vaccination and mask mandates. In the meantime, the Us and Them team is busy on our new season. And during the month of August, we'll present several Encore episodes. I want to hearken back to when I was in school. It was a time when we weren't thinking about masks or social distancing, the possibility of infection, or the sadness of isolation and lack of connection. Then, as now, we spent a lot of time figuring out where we belong. Here's an episode that touches on how we as Americans, or humans in general, have a tendency to sort ourselves into different camps or tribes. When I was a teenager, we had a unique Appalachian way of sorting and dividing ourselves. Welcome to Hillers and Creekers. This episode of Us and Them first aired in August of 2017. Oh, and as a heads up, we've bleeped a few adults-only words from this episode. We call it a union, or the United States, but our nation's political divisions run deep, as they always have. The Us and Them podcast explores this political divide, but it's not just about politics. It's more about the deep social divides that lead to the deep political divides. What we really want to know is why do Americans sort themselves into camps of differing ideas? And why do we tend to cluster with groups of people who think like we do and demonize those who don't? These tribes seem to define our identity who we are, and who we are not. You know, this sorting can start early. It reminds me of my school days. Whether you were a jock or a theater geek or a proud stoner or even a loner, the tiniest of groups, we were all in at least one of these camps, whether we wanted to be or not. At my alma mater of George Washington High School in Charleston, West Virginia, we had this unique us-and-them sorting classification. You were either a hiller or a creaker. So I went back to my old neighborhood, and I talked to people that I knew back then to see if they remembered it the way I did. And I discovered that beneath all this division, we were more similar than we thought. From West Virginia Public Broadcasting and PRX, this is Us and Them. It's the podcast where we tell stories from America's cultural divides. I'm Trey Kay. Today, the legacy of class division in Kanawha County, West Virginia, between the Hillers and Creekers. 
in West Virginia, everything is a mountain and the people with money, you know, the lawyers and the doctors lived up at the top of the hill and the plumbers and the electricians lived at the bottom of the hill. If you wear camo, you're considered a creaker. Levi's. A hat and boots. Big belt. And blue jeans. Flannels all the time. Hillers dressed in. Vineyard Vines brand, Patagonia brand. Docksiders and collared shirts. The boys wear really short shorts and pink a lot. <laughs> the Hillers are in the advanced classes. Kind of think that they're better than you. Very well educated. Almost all go to college. Creakers went to technical school. Creakers work all the way through school. The Creakers do the hard drugs. The Hillers, they got so much money. They get addicted to the drugs. Drive a brand new Mercedes car and they're 16 years old. Creakers actually had nicer cars. They had hot rods because they worked on them. They don't work after school. Those are Hillers. They're the preppy kids. The Creakers are uneducated. The country people like dirt poor. Well their accents were a little thicker. You're a redneck. We call them Creakers still. They don't really call them Hillers anymore. They're kind of preps. They are very preppy. And very rich. But we're still Creakers. Those were voices from past and present students from George Washington High School who let me know that this Hiller Creaker division is still alive and kicking. George Washington is located in the affluent South Hill suburb of Charleston, but it also serves neighboring towns of mixed socioeconomic levels, such as Loudendale, Davis Creek, and Allen Creek. When I was a kid, I lived in South Hills and was thus a Hiller. It wasn't like the Jets and Sharks fighting over turf. Some of my Facebook friends reminded me that there was a rumble once, but I don't remember anything about it. Those who claim to recall it have some really hazy details about why it happened. What I remember was there was a good bit of sticking with your pack. I mean, I don't remember sitting at the same lunch table with Creakers. But I did have some Creaker friends. We played football together. My friend Randy Thomas was then and still is a proud Creaker. He recently drove me around his hometown of Loudendale in his new pickup truck. He wanted to take me to some of the places where he used to play as a kid. And the only way to get there was to literally drive right through Davis Creek. So, Randy, what the hell are we doing? Well, I'm, I'm going to try to take you over here to where the Little League baseball field used to be. But we're, we're driving across a creek right now. We're, we're driving across the creek. Yeah, so... That's okay. <laughs> I gotta figure out how I'm gonna turn around here. All right, I'm in a big Ford pickup no, truck. No, you are not. Ford, oh my gosh, I'm gonna throw you out right here in the middle of this creek. I'm in a Chevy pickup truck. Yes. Gee, that's blasphemy. I'll well, never be your friend again. I, I, I know you're lying. <laughs> but we, but we, we crossed a creek and he didn't want to make a three-point turn, so he backed up. And I thought, oh, man, I don't know if I'd do that. But then again, I'm in the cab of a truck, a professional driver. A professional truck driver. <laughs> <laughs> now, Randy and I have known each other since we both arrived at John Adams Junior High School from different elementary schools. Randy felt the education he'd received up until then left him at a disadvantage. One thing that stood out to me was this thing called a term paper. <laughs> um, man, that smacked me right between the eyes. Um, I went to Loudendale Elementary, 
And when I got to John Adams and they wanted you to do a term paper, I had no idea of what a term paper was. And it sure seemed like all of my friends that were from the schools up on the hill knew exactly what a term paper was. It seemed like they knew what a source was and, uh, oh goodness. Bibliography. Yeah, all those things that you needed to do a term paper, it seemed like they knew exactly what it was, where to get them, all those things. I, I had no clue. And I just felt lost. I felt lost. Randy also noticed how Hillers dressed differently than Creekers, right down to the shoes. My shoes came from Pickway. To people who don't know, what's Pickway? Pickway would be the equivalent of like shoe carnival now. So like an inexpensive place to buy cheap shoes. <laughs> Very inexpensive. My tennis shoes growing up cost about $2 a pair. By the time I got to John Adams, I was wearing Converse. But I had to fight my parents to get them. I mean, they, they were just like, oh my God. And back then they were, what, maybe $20 if that. And they, they just didn't see the value in it. So just walk me through that a little bit. So basically, you know, you went to school and, and were you kind of a little bit embarrassed of your, your, your Pickway shoes? And, and that, like, you know, mom and dad kind of just at least have something that, that you know, I'm not going to be laughed at or whatever. All these other kids have Adidas and Nikes. And, and you really had to kind of lean on your parents to to let you get some shoes that, uh, is that? I feel like I've touched a nerve. They didn't understand. I don't think they understood the difference. I ended up taking my own money and I went and bought the uh, Nike Cortez, I think is what they called it. Yeah, yeah. The red stripe. With the red swoop on it. Yeah, it's not a stripe, it's a swoop. I mean, you know, Nike will let you know that. I think that shoe costs $35. I remember, I remember. I'd been working at the ballpark and I'd crossed the hill over in the South Park, caught the bus, went to uh, Sport Mart on Courier Street in downtown Charleston, bought the Nikes, put them on before I ever left the store and I styled and profiled and left there. Yes, sir. Oh man, the shoes. Who would have thought that shoes could be so important? But they mattered to me too. By the time I got to John Adams, I was worried about brand name clothes and shoes because of one kid. Joey Minardi moved into my neighborhood the year before I went to Adams, and he was obsessed, obsessed with brand name clothes. He knew about Pumas, Nikes, and Adidas, and he talked about them so much that he got me and my brother amped up about them. 
so much so that we begged our mother to buy us pears. One day when we were in the sixth grade class, I had a question for the teacher, and I walked up to the front of the classroom. And as I did, Joey calls from the back of the room. Will the guy with the sorry Adidas please sit down? And I snapped. I started screaming. Why is this such a big deal for you? Why do you have to keep going on about my shoes? Why do you have to be the one with the best shoes in the class? And he got up out of his seat, and we met each other in the middle of the classroom. And we just locked and started swinging big roundhouse haymaker punches. And at one point, he tackled me, and he got on top of me. And he grabbed my ears like they were handles on a jug, and he just started smashing my skull into the floor. (laughs) I mean... All of this over a pair of freaking Adidas. I told Randy this story. And I also told him about how I remembered being with Joey when he used to tease kids from the creek for wearing Pickway specials. We heard that. We heard that a lot. We got made fun of because we bought clothes at Kmart. Comments about our blue light specials. But how did it make you feel? less than i mean we never really had a problem with clothes until we came to school up on the hill coming up yes joe was a bully i don't want to say that so if he got a pair of pumas or whatever you know he was going to let the world know about it hey that's my mom you'll hear some of her colorful language in the second half also Who is this menacing Joey Minardi character? Well, I hadn't seen him in years, but I managed to track him down. I'm Trey Kay, and this is Us and Them, which is supported in part by the West Virginia Humanities Council, the CRC Foundation, and the Daywood Foundation. Music lifts us up and brings us together even when we can't get together in person. Mountain Stage brings you live performances on the air, online, and in our podcast. They remind you how it feels to be in a live audience listening to live music. This is Larry Gross, host of Mountain Stage. Find a link to our stations and our podcast online at mountainstage.org. Hey there, Trey here. Heads up that my childhood recollection of Charleston's Hillers and Creekers divide has a few adult-only words that we've bleeped. So Randy and I spent much of the afternoon driving around Loudendale, where he grew up on Davis Creek. Back when we were kids, those creeks were used as a makeshift dump. People would chuck trash into them and old tires and washing machines. But now it looks like someone has cleaned them out. When Randy dropped me off at my mom's house, I couldn't stop thinking about how some of us Hillers made him feel. I started talking about it with my mom. She certainly remembered Joey Minardi and his obsession with clothes and shoes. Mom was like a second mother to Joey, and she teared up when I asked her about him. I mean, yes, Joe was a bully. I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that. 
I mean, Joey tried to fit in. I mean, you know, I mean, they all, the whole family was that way. Mom remembered Mrs. Minardi telling her that she got some of Joey's clothes at Goodwill. And he wasn't too damn proud of it. So if he got a pair of Pumas or whatever, you know, he was going to let it, the f***ing world know about it. He was nicely dressed all. He was. I mean, she did a, a wonderful job. She worked at it. I mean, you know, she would go buy those things and fix and repair and him and take in. And, I mean, you know, she did. I mean, and I, I applaud her for it. I'm not looking down my nose. I mean, they didn't have money. Yeah. But they presented like they did. And, I mean, you know, and they were good people. I liked all of them. Talking with my mom made me even more curious about Joey. It had been a while since I'd seen him, but I knew that he'd moved down to Florida. So what happened to this boisterous, virile, muscle-bound, badass bully who in the same breath could charm your mother like Eddie Haskell and taunt his enemies as boldly as Muhammad Ali? I'm Joey Minardi III and born and raised in Charleston, West Virginia. My parents moved there in the early 70s in, in Fort Hill. So you may be thinking, wait a minute, this is your burly high school classmate who left underclassmen cowering? Yeah, that's Joey. And he sounds and appears much older than his years. When I went to visit Joey and his wife at their home in Florida, I hadn't seen him in years. I did know that he spent most of his time in a wheelchair due to his illness, CIDP. Chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy, an illness I've had for 19 years now. And I was fortunate enough to get to a neurologist, immunologist in Baltimore, Dr. Carol Kosky. And... She gave, gave me uh, rounds of chemotherapy and a bunch of different things, and it was able to stifle the illness because it was rapidly getting into my respiratory system, and if it would have done that, then I wouldn't have been able to breathe, and that would have been it. When I knew Joey, he was a beefy, robust guy. He moved from the East End, an ethnically diverse working class part of Charleston, across the Kanawha River and up into my neighborhood in the Fort Hill section of South Hills. Joey says it was kind of like the Jeffersons on TV, moving on up. They moved just down the street from my house in the summer before we went into sixth grade. Honestly, I remember the fact that it was the first home my mom and dad were able to own. And that was a big thing for our family. Um, exciting for my mom to have her first house you know they were in their 40s at that time and worked real hard to get there joey's mom was a homemaker and his dad was a traveling shoe leather salesman i mean he was really a, a hustler and i remember when we moved on the hill you know we it was such a big step they went from 75 dollars a month rent to a $175 a month house payment. And I can remember that being stressful for my parents. And there were weeks that he, you know, he was traveling uh, 
a couple thousand miles a week sometimes, just around the state. He would leave her, I remember in the 60s, like five or ten dollars to go a one week, a whole week, and and she had to buy food and gas with that. That's it, it's pretty incredible when you think about it. What do you remember about the Hillers and the Creekers? Well, whether or not you were from money or not, uh, which we, you know, in my family we weren't. I mean, we had to watch every every dime back then, but the Creekers were even. They were in worse shape than that, and they used to really take it hard for what they thought was the rich boys that were up on the hill, that we somehow had a better life than they did. Well, did we? I don't know that we did. I I think the thought that the Hillers may have all come from money when that wasn't the case, you know, that there was like a, a silver spoon in the Hiller's mouth, and that wasn't the case. Some of them had a silver spoon in their mouth. I mean, some of the Hillers actually had a good bit of money. Well, yeah, but you, you understand the difference because you grew up in a time where there wasn't a lot of money available to do every last thing that you wanted wanted to do. I, de- I mean, I definitely did. My, my folks... Uh, they said to save and scrimp a lot. Do you remember Randy Thomas? Oh, yes. I always liked Randy. But, you know, Randy was a creaker, right? What was a creaker? A creaker would have been somebody from Loudendale and uh, Davis Creek and those areas. I mean, how did we treat the creakers back in the day? Well, we used to heckle them pretty good. I, I don't think we realized exactly that a lot of them were coming from poverty. It, it always seemed like to me that the kids from, from the creek came d- dirty. They, they, their jeans always seemed to be soiled, greasy, long hair. It seemed like they were always out back smoking. But when you're younger, I didn't like was nasty or uh, heckled them, but they couldn't help that they were from, you know, poverty and and whatnot. I know a lot of those kids uh, didn't have much guidance. A lot of, uh, you know, busted up families. A lot of them lived in shanties down down through there. Double wide. Not even a double wide, I mean, real shanties. It's true the Creekers didn't have a lot of money, at least not when I was going to school. Back then, your family's means determined how you dressed. Whether or not they were cheaper, flannel shirts were what Creekers wore. I remember a time when my mother gave me a nice flannel shirt for Christmas. I recall smiling and saying thank you, knowing that I might wear this shirt around the house or maybe at family functions. But as a Hiller, I wouldn't be caught dead at school in such a shirt for fear of looking like a creaker. Just like my mom, Mrs. Minardi bought Joey a flannel shirt for Christmas, and his didn't get much use either. I think that it watered up and stayed in the trunk of the car most of the time. 
and it was a nice shirt, but it wasn't something that I was interested in wearing at that time because it looked like a creaker or a country boy, and I wanted to be a little more sophisticated. And that, you know, my family had worked hard to try to get on the hill, so I was going to try to wear things that looked a little, you know, a little better than that. That's what I was interested in those days. In, in kind of projecting that image. Right, to look better than a creaker would. Yeah. You know, even though we had friends that were creakers, we, buddies that we drank beer with every weekend, I wasn't interested in wearing some of those clodhopper boots, and I wouldn't wear it today. You and I were consciously trying to make sure that we were not dressing or looking like creakers. Definitely. You know, back then is when the uh, uh, designer jeans and stuff like that started. And, you know, we were definitely trying to wear the nicer things. I wanted to, you know, be able to make friends. I was obsessed with trying to to be accepted uh, at, at that new step up in life. On the map, the Minardis were hillers, and Joey's mom provided the stylish clothes that they wanted in order to fit in. But she was calculated and thrifty in how she did it. One of the best stores in Charleston was Frankenburgers. And she would go and shop for clothing Several months ahead of time, she'd lay it away and pay for it a few bucks at a time. We're talking about, you know, back in the 60s. And we didn't start getting things really from Kmart until maybe up into the mid to late 70s. My mom uh, shopped at Kmart on Patrick Street a lot. You know, she learned then she, she could buy a whole lot more with a dollar there than downtown Charleston. So we did get a lot of things from there. I remembered what my mom said about Mrs. Minardi going to Goodwill, and I asked Joe about it. She very well could have. I don't recall shopping and dressing us originally from there. You know, with my attitude back then, I probably wouldn't have liked that as much. What do you mean? Well, I mean, if if you'd been seen shopping at uh, Goodwill or, you know, Salvation Army or one of those three stores, it may have been considered, you know, somebody that couldn't couldn't afford. And and I'm not saying that we could afford any more than that. But I know early on, in the early days, that my mom really scrimped to be able to make her family look nice. Now, let's be clear. There's nothing shameful about shopping at thrift stores. Unless you're an insecure teenager trying to project an image of affluence. And quite frankly, that was me. When I was in eighth grade, my parents separated. And the day my father moved out, my mom took me shopping at a thrift store. And I remember worrying to myself, with dad gone, are we going to be poor? And if we are, what will people think? And will I still be a hiller? So it seems kind of silly now, but in a way, these were the kind of things that occupied the minds of guys like Joey and me. 
When I was in Florida and sitting in Joey's living room, I played some of my interview with Randy, including the section where he talks about being heckled for his shoes and clothes from Kmart. I'll tell you what, you don't realize uh, when you're a kid how much damage you're, you're, you're doing to somebody. Who would have ever known that Randy would have had those issues and that would, was a, such an upsetting thing to him because he always seemed to be, so, you know, fun-loving, funny guy. You know, you'd probably never think that you would be friends with maybe a kid that was look like a rag muffin, you know. But when it was all said and done, some of those boys ended up being a whole lot better friends than the boys that came from real money, you know. As you know, shoes were paramount to Joey. Tennis shoes were a big issue back then. We all, you remember that, my goodness. But that was an important thing for us. I, I remember having to save up. I had a pair of suede uh, Adidas in red, and I had a pair of black Puma in they they were very nice shoes but uh, man oh man just something to get a satisfaction like that I understand where Randy's coming from after I had that time with Randy I went home and I talked to mom a little bit and I, I was like I said mom do you remember like you know, I remember, like me and Joey, we'd talk about Pickway shoes, and then Joey moved in the neighborhood, and we were like all obsessed about getting Adidas and Pumas and stuff like that. And she said she remembered it. And I said, well, what, what do you remember about Joey at the time? She said, well, Joey, you know, he wanted to feel good about himself. And this is a direct quote. She said, if he had a pair of f-ing Pumas, he wanted the world to know about it. <laughs> That's right. She's right. That's a true statement. And I'll tell you what got me in big, big trouble with the Pumas and Adidas is I wore both of them entirely too much, day in and day out, and never giving them a break. I got serious athlete's foot, and I had to go to the the doctor. It gave me athlete's foot but wearing them too much. It took months to get over that. It covered my entire foot. It was like a shingles of the foot. It was a bad deal. It's just where you don't allow your shoes to dry, and you just keep wearing them. And I was going to wear wear those things to hell or high water. The, the two pair of Puma and Adidas, I'll never forget. One was black suede and one was red suede. Since we're on the subject of shoes, I couldn't drive all the way down to Florida without asking Joey about our fight back in the sixth grade. Now you and I scrapped. Do you remember? Do you remember? Yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. Well, yeah. I, I got a memory of one particular scrap. Do you know what, what I'm going to bring up? Probably in front of Miss Roman <laughs> in uh, sixth grade. Yeah, I remember that well. <laughs> what? Well, if you remember it well, what, what's your side of the story? Yeah, I can't remember why we had it. I remember we had it and how upset she was. She was scared to death. I, I think she felt like she was going to get hurt. But uh, we were two really big kids. Yeah, we were two big kids. I mean, you know, you got to think about this. I was shaving at about 12, 13 years old. I'd already had a lot of body hair that other kids didn't have. 
you know, I just grew up early. You had big, big muscles then. Yeah, big muscles then. Well, let me tell you what I remember. You said from the back of the classroom, will the guy with the sorry Adidas please sit down? Oh, gosh. Is that, is that what I said? Yes. I can't, I, I can't remember that. The sorry Adidas, I, I, probably the Adidas that I helped you pick out. I, don't, I, can't, I can't understand why I would have said that. I was probably jealous for some other reason, probably because of one of the little girls there. You know, Beth was a, a cutie back then. Sarah was a cutie back then. You know, the, by the time we were sixth grade, we were really interested in those girls. After high school, Joey started a restaurant that was wildly successful. It multiplied and expanded into catering. However, at the height of his success, he fell ill, just in his mid-30s, and was forced to abandon the businesses he'd built. After sticking it out for a few years in Charleston, he had to abandon West Virginia as well, for a warmer climate that was more suitable for his physical condition. I mean, I used to be a healthy... um pretty robust guy. I went from that working 100 hour work weeks for the first few years of this illness. I mean, I I couldn't even wipe my own butt. I'd have to be pulled up in bed, kind of a prisoner in my own body at that time. I mean, you don't know how glad I am now just to be able to reach over and pick up something to drink under my own power. and I get out and do things. I work in the flowers. I mean, I'm productive. Um, I help the neighbors. You know, we, we have a good, good, happy life here. Joey's insecurities about status and fitting in have obviously faded. These days, he's more determined to maintain his limited mobility and to carefully follow his doctor's orders. Randy's certainly moved on too but it doesn't take much for him to feel the pain of a 40-year-old wound. But what we couldn't see back then was how these anxieties focused on appearances. And we were clueless that this insecurity was something that everyone was feeling. No one knew that Randy, the Creeker, bought his Nikes with his own hard-earned money. Nobody knew that Joey came from a family of truly humble means who worked tirelessly to help their son look the part of a hiller. And that all of this angst and bullying was just about trying to fit in. All three of us struggled to come to terms with that feeling of being less than, incomplete, or even worse, poor. On Us and Them, we often wade into some of the enormous, seemingly intractable differences that divide Americans. Abortion gun rights, climate science, and what to do with the symbols of the Confederacy. I mean, that's big, big stuff. And it's often hard to wrap your arms around it. But we've got this idea that if we take time to listen more deeply to the other side, maybe we'll find more similarities. One strategy for approaching these bigger issues could be as simple as understanding the differences between Hillers and Creekers and those who wear Adidas, Nikes, and Pumas, and those who wear Pickway Specials. You've been listening to Us and Them, 
Our show was written and produced by me, Trey Kay, and Mitch Hanley. Joni Deutsch is our digital producer. Michael Lipton and Tristam Lozow wrote and performed the Us and Them show music. Mark Lerner designed our logo. The marvelous people at PRX and West Virginia Public Broadcasting make Us and Them possible. So do grants from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the National Endowment for the Humanities, the West Virginia Humanities Council, the CRC Foundation, and the Daywood Foundation. Us and Them was originally developed with assistance from the Mentorship Program at AIR, the Association of Independence in Radio. Hey, and thanks to Catherine Winter for editorial direction and to our friends in the PRX Catapult Program for helping with the development of this episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Us and Them. Support for this podcast comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.